You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's up, fellas? Welcome back to Commas Over Cold Brew with me, your host, Emma Abrahamson. Today we're talking to Ali Bonner, who is an entrepreneur, social media influencer, body positivity advocate on Instagram, and just someone I admire in the social media space. She created her own company. It's Queen & Co. Granola Butter. Maybe you guys have heard of it. It is absolutely delicious. I will say so myself. In this episode, we talk a lot about what it's like being an entrepreneur, the realities of it, the pros, the cons, body neutrality, being a social media influencer, and a bunch of other things. Yeah, she's just someone that inspires me, you know, on social media and just as a female entrepreneur. So I really wanted to bring her on to talk about all of these things. And I just appreciate her transparency. And I hope you guys do too. So stay tuned. If you guys love the podcast, it would mean so much to me if you rated and reviewed on Apple Podcasts. If you listen every week or you just tell your friends about it, it helps grow the podcast so much and just establish credibility with the podcast so that I can get bigger, more well-known guests on for you guys to have a conversation with, maybe over some cold brew. <laughs> so I really appreciate anyone that, you know, rates and reviews on Apple Podcasts or just even tells their friends about it, spread the word. And I just really appreciate all of you guys for listening every week. And yeah, let's just get straight into today's episode. Commas over cold brew. I'm super excited to have you on. Um, to get started, do you want to just tell us like a little bit about yourself? Get a, give us the rundown of who you are and what you're about. For sure. Yeah, let's do it. Um, thank you so much for having me, first of all, and super excited to be here. Um, yeah, so I'm Allie. I live currently in Philadelphia. I I'm very new to the East Coast. I actually was born and raised in San Diego, um, lived in San Francisco for a little bit, you know, college and beyond, and moved to Philly, you know, about two, three months ago. Um, so very recent and just, you know, because of my food company. So we needed to expand our operations. California was extremely expensive as you can imagine, and as you know, being on the West coast. Um, and so we just sort of looked, you know, all over the U S and ended up for whatever reason, finding a ton of really good facility options in Philly. So we're like, let's do it, you know, really YOLO, especially with COVID. I feel like everyone's been kind of just like, you know, nomading about. And so we're like, okay. Um, so yeah, to, I guess just backing up to a little about me, I, you know, struggled with food in my body for 
as long as I can remember. I would say, you know, really over a decade, it started when I was like 14, uh, maybe even like 13 and, you know, really continued until just about four or five years ago when I really took a deep dive and started to just, you know, examine every part of my life, every, you know, limiting belief, how I viewed myself. And then as cliche as it sounds, I really embarked on this journey of, you know, self-love and healing and food freedom. Um, because for a long time, it just really occupied so much of my headspace. And I just was watching my life pass me by, um, really. So that's really where the idea for my product and my company came from. It actually was born out of my recovery. And, um, you know, I started long story short, started adding a lot of food groups back into my diet that I had restricted heavily for years. And, um, one of those was, you know, nut butter. So peanut butter, almond butter, I was terrified for years because of the calories. Right. And when I started to add them back in, my gut was just a complete wreck from years of binging and restricting. So I couldn't digest them. And so in the meantime, needed something to, you know, really replace that as I was working on healing my gut. And, um, I just didn't find anything out there that resonated with me. You know, there was like sunflower seed butter and soy nut butter and sort of all of these alternatives that had been created for people with nut allergies. But to be honest with you, they were all trash. Like they all, you know, I just didn't feel, I mean, to me personally, like some people love them, whatever, but I think it was just, it really, for me, it felt like it was sort of that, you know, sort of how like the gluten-free industry was, or even plant-based was like 10 years ago when it was like, Oh, you know, you're vegan. Like here's this shitty, you know, plant-based like bean patty that tastes like ass. Right (laughs) now it's like, we have impossible burger and all these things that just like actually taste like meat. Um, and it was the same thing with like, you know, alternative spreads. I just felt like they just weren't good enough. And so, um, you know, really started to just experiment my kitchen. I was living in San Francisco at the time and had this idea, you know, born from seeing the rise of Oatly and all these oat milks to do an oat-based spread. And I was really just shocked that no one had done one before. So ended up bringing on one of my, um, so my boyfriend and I were co-founders, which is a whole nother thing we can talk about. (laughs) Interesting dynamic. Um, but his, one of his best friends from Jewish summer camp growing up was a chef and he worked at Michelin star restaurants and actually happened to be working out in Paris, um, at the time. And Eric and I were on vacation in Paris. So we met up with him. I told him about this idea and I was just like, you know, this is a shot in the dark, but would you be interested in, you know, coming on as a third co-founder? He loved the idea. He was really ready for something new, um, sort of like disillusioned by his life in Paris was working all the time. So he came on and really took the recipe to what it is today. So I had the initial idea, you know, I definitely didn't create like the process and everything that we're doing today. Um, so it really was just like patchwork of, you know, me, him, and then Eric was sort of our, my boyfriend was sort of our like financial, you know, business guru that just like melded everything together. So we launched about three years ago. Um, and now we're, you know, in our own facility and growing, but, Um, yeah, have learned a lot along the way. That's a little tidbit about me and kind of my journey leading up to, um, to this point. (laughs) Yeah. Did you get funding like originally, or were you in the kitchen, like creating the recipe with just like random ingredients, like baking the granola and everything and like putting in your food processor? Like, how was that process? 
Yeah, I know. Super random. Um, yeah. So I, so Eric and I actually, I guess backing up, we both were in San Francisco working in tech. So he was in consulting. I was at a health tech startup and, you know, I, we never thought we were going to launch a food company. Like, yes, I studied nutrition in college, but again, it was, you know, out of fear, it was really fueled by my eating disorder. And so I sort of, at, you know, as I was recovering, wanted to put that in the past and I didn't want to focus my career on food. And so I really was enjoying my life, you know, at a startup and working in San Francisco and it was really fun and it paid well and, um, you know, had good culture, you know, the startup world, but there was still part of me that there was something was missing. And so, you know, I, and I was young, you know, when we first had this idea, it was, you know, a few years ago. So I was mid twenties and I really just had this, you know, Eric and I both had this sort of entrepreneurial, you know, bug. And we're like, let's just try it, you know? And so when we first had the idea, we really approached it from that tech paradigm and that tech mindset, you know, I don't know if you've heard of like lean startup or, you know, any of these sort of, um, I guess, yeah, just ways of thinking and operating, um, really from that, like lean, scrappy bootstrap mentality. Um, and you know, like we said, before we started recording, there's so many different ways to start a company. Like I have plenty of friends, you know, who raised, tens of millions of dollars pre-launch and just like did sort of that route, which is totally fine. But we were sort of, we wanted to prove concepts. We wanted to find product market fit before taking on anyone else's money. So we actually really did it as a side hustle for the first year. Um, and we just kind of, you know, gathered our savings, even though we were working in tech in San Francisco, like rent is so expensive that we really didn't have that much, you know, that many savings. And we had like just graduated college. We were going out all the time. So, you know, we really just started small and scrappy and started in my kitchen. And then after bringing Ari on, you know, we launched pre-orders. Um, we used my Instagram account sort of as like a test market. So at the time I had probably 10,000 followers, um, just from, you know, simply talking about eating disorder recovery and sharing recipes online, nothing crazy, but it was a really nice little launch pad for us to just see if this was something that people would be interested in. Um, and so from there, we, um, Ari actually had moved down to San Diego, which is where, you know, him and I are from, and we found this commissary kitchen and we started just paying by the hour, you know, going in and really doing some small batches. And at the beginning, it was crazy because Eric and I were living in San Francisco. We would fly down on the weekends, like almost every weekend to San Diego to help Ari produce. Like it was in our lives were just insane. And then I would fly back, you know, late Sunday night and then go to work on Monday and pretend like I wasn't running two businesses at the same time. <laughs> and it was such a nightmare. And so just slowly over time, you know, in the beginning, as you know, like sales are just so volatile, you can't predict them. So it was almost impossible for us to, you know, forecast or, you know, buy the right amount of ingredients. I felt like we were always either, you know, sitting on stuff or we were scrambling to buy more, more ingredients. And so the beginning was really weird and really awkward and sort of like lots of growing pains, but eventually we kind of found ourselves in a cadence and a flow. Um, and then as we started to expand into retail, you know, we got into whole foods and press juicery nationwide. We really started to kind of, again, yeah, pick up the cadence and get some sort of pattern, um, and routine down. And that's when, you know, our order volume started going up and that's when we moved into our bigger facility in San Diego. So we weren't in our own space, but we were actually sharing it with one other company. Um, and we had about 3000 square feet there. And then again, just slow and steady, you know, growth. We were there for a little over a year and then moved into the space we're in now, which is about 12,000 square feet. Um, and it's our own dedicated, you know, facility and 
in Philly. But I mean, you know, to, to answer your question about the funding piece, like we really bootstrapped for the first, you know, two and a half years. We just closed our first round of friends and family funding um, in December of 2020. And it was just, you know, friends and family, angels, like it was a very like low key, you know, <laughs> fundraise. It wasn't, you know, VC series, like anything yeah. like that. It was really just, you know, how much do we need for the next, you know, runway for the next year to get us to that next level. And, you know, I think again, like we said, there's so many different ways to go about it, but for us, it just made so much sense to kind of approach it from that angle because, you know, no one's ever done a granola butter before. So we couldn't really, we looked at all these different co-packing, you know, options and no one could really do what we were doing. So we're like, okay, I guess we just have to keep doing, it really was out of necessity. Like, to be honest with you, I would love to outsource it. You know, there's nothing fun about producing your own product. It's people think, you know, it sounds really cool. And when you're doing it at home for, you know, your grandkids, it's fun. But when it's like, you know, a, a scale and, you know, um, operation, it's not super fun. So um, we'd love to be able to outsource, but I think at this point, we're just, you know, actually Eric, my co-founder is picking up our automated line um, today. So we got a, you know, hundred thousand dollar automated line from China, um, which like is just something that, we, it feels like the next evolution, the next step of our business. Um, because, you know, up until this point, we've been doing everything super manually and it's just been like taking a toll on our employees and it's just not, you know, efficient. So that's sort of the next step, but, you know, again, like outsourcing would be ideal. Cause then we can just really focus on like the marketing and the business side of things. Did you ever think that you would reach this level of like creating your own business where you <laughs> your face? <laughs> Well, I, th- I think you do a good job of showing like the highs and lows of it on social media. Like you're very open with it. You like take us through a day in the life of what it's like for you. And you're obviously like a very busy woman. And I think you just do a great job of showing the realities of like starting a food company from the ground up. Yeah, no, I mean, I thank you. I, I really do want to share both sides. I think because I went into it, you know, I'm not going to lie. I thought it was going to be a lot more glamorous, like a little more glam than it is. You're because, not going to be know, in the kitchen wearing your hairnet. hairnet at I know, literally. I mean, like you just see so much on social media of people, you know, it's like they have like entrepreneur in their Insta bio and like they're driving like a Range Rover, you know, G wagon, like they're living in LA and it's just, it's so glamorous. And I'm just like, at what point does it become that? Because it's been a when couple years now. That life? When is so, like, the G wagon coming in? <laughs> coming into the scene here. Like, where does the G-Wagon come in? Um, no, but like, it's been, I mean, it's been so, so rewarding and fulfilling. Um, but it's simultaneously, it's like, and it's also been the hardest thing. It's what, I don't have kids. It's what I imagine having kids is like, you're like, this fucking sucks sometimes. And it's hard. And I hate you little shits, but like at the end of the day, you feel so fulfilled and, you know, and you're just like, I can't imagine life without you. So I, at least that's, you know, what I imagine. I don't know, but, um, but no, I think like, I appreciate you saying that because I think so many businesses and brands will just show the highlight reel. And I totally get it. Like for me, even, I mean, it's so I'm intentional about trying to share the other side. And like, there's times where I'm like, Oh, like I really just, it just pains me. Cause I'm like, Oh, I just want to be able to share like the fun wins and, you know, getting into new stores and new flavors. And that's super fun to share. But then when I do end up sharing stuff, you know, 
we didn't get accepted to this incubator or we, whatever it is, we got rejected from this retailer. That was like our dream account. You know, people really appreciate that. Even though if it's like kind of a bummer for me to share, they appreciate it. And it makes, you know, it kind of brings out the human side of, of your business too. Yeah. I mean, I think this day and age transparency is like so important. So I think any small business that has that mindset going into it of just being transparent with the people that are like buying their products or just your followers in general, like regardless of the topic, whether it's like your business or just your personal life, being transparent, I feel like is the key to building that community on like that's going to buy your product or just on social media or just in life in general. Just yeah. showing that you're human. So yeah, I am a human. Yeah. <laughs> yes, indeed. I am a human though. I do yeah. work a lot. I am human. Yeah. What's the, like, what is your, what is the most fulfilling part of this job for you? Yeah. Oh, that's, I've never been asked that question before, but, um, I mean, so many things I think for me, it's funny. I, I was just talking to Eric, my partner about this the other day, you know, it's so rare that we're, it's like a weekend and we really try not to talk about work, but it just, it pops up, but I was asking him, I was like, what motivates you? Like what drives you as an entrepreneur? Cause I think there's so many different types of entrepreneurs. You know, there's people who, um, you know, are driven by money and power and it's not a negative, like these inherently aren't, you know, bad desires. Like I think a lot of them are just human nature. And so we shouldn't shame ourselves, you know, we should just be honest, like, yo, I'm super motivated by making money and like just getting real with yourself on that and knowing that actually can be really beneficial. So for me, I've never been actually driven by money. And I think a lot of it, not to get like all, you know, Tony Robbins on you, but I feel like, and I'm not a therapist, but I feel like a lot of it goes back to how you were raised, you know, your childhood. Like if you, you know, grew up in poverty, like obviously probably money was scarce. And so maybe that's something that drives you and motivates you. For me, to be honest, you know, I didn't grow up super wealthy, but my mom was a dentist, like we were well off. And so money to me wasn't anything that I ever thought about, you know, every day or on a consistent basis. So that doesn't drive me as much. It's for me, it's, um, I really want to be well-liked. I want people to respect me. Um, I like impressing people. So, and again, it's like not feeling shame around these things. These are just like human ego, you know, inherent desires. But now that I know that it's like, okay, you know, that's something that really drives me to succeed and propels me to succeed. Um, and for Eric, you know, my partner, he's super competitive. So he just loves to win. And he's like, you know, he was a soccer player and he's just like really motivated to win. Um, so I guess winning at the game of <laughs> business, I don't know. Um, but I think, you know, also what really drives me outside of that is I love making people happy through food and realizing that. Cause I think for so long I was really terrified of food and I just stripped, I stripped all of the joy away from it. And so sort of, you know, unlearning all of these like diet culture things and bringing myself back to, you know, inherently, I just love my love language is food and feeding people. And it makes me happy to see other people eating delicious things. I don't know. And so that just works really well with my business and my product. So my, you know, what fulfills me the most is like, going on, it just sounds so frivolous, but going on Instagram, seeing people like tag us in all of their stories, you know, doing taste tests, feeding it to their kids, feeding it to their dog. Um, and it just makes my heart really explode. And so like, that's really what fulfills me. And then on a more macro, you know, level, I think just being able to create something and put it into the world that hasn't been done before is really cool, you know? And when I was working in tech, like I mentioned, great paycheck, great culture, 
loved my boss actually, which is very rare. I know. Um, and it wasn't a situation where I was like, I hate my job. I need to leave. It was really hard, but it was, it wasn't fulfilling me because I was basically working for someone else's dream. And, you know, for some people that's okay. I don't also want to bash nine to fives because I think they can be great, you know, situations for a lot of people. But for me, I was like, I'm a really hard worker and I don't want to build someone else's dream. I want to build my own dream. And my dream was very different from the life that I was creating in my nine to five. So, um, yeah, does that answer your question? Yeah, no, <laughs> like I mean, I, it definitely I does. I tend to it, ramble. No, it, it really resonates with me too, because I also grew up in San Diego and I'm also not super money motivated and you explained it perfectly. And I'm also like very fulfilled by people enjoying like my food. Like I love giving my friends my food and like creating a product that people can enjoy that like fuels their day and they love it. And they're like talking about it on Instagram. There's just something that's really rewarding about it. And it's just so niche too. I know. <laughs> like, so maybe the people listening could not relate to it at all, but I mean, it just, what you said, like everyone has different sources of motivation in their life. Um, so I think it's just tapping into that. And also you have created a team with people who, um, like your partner is just motivated by different things. And I think having that balance of people that are motivated by different things also helps propel a company forward as well. Um, I'm still a team of one, so I'm figuring that out. (laughs) But I just really admire you for doing that. Yeah. Yeah. You can outsource, you can have, you know, bring people in that kind of compliment you, but yeah, no, I think, I mean, it's having different co-founders and people in your, in the business, you know, dynamic is really, really important. Like Eric and I could not be more different. He is seriously really, we're complete opposites. We've been dating for, you know, together for eight years now. And I don't know, like, I mean, I don't know how we even ended up like, we're so different, but it just works somehow. And sometimes that really does. But I mean, I'm so macro. He's like micro detail oriented. Um, I'm like marketing creative. He's like business finance. And so if you're a solo founder, you know, anyone listening out there, that's a solo founder, I think, like you said, it's so important to, you know, know what your weaknesses are and it's not a bad thing, but just really hiring for that because at the end of the day, like you started your own business to do what you love. And also what you love is probably what you're really good at. So being able to bring people in, you know, for me, it's like finance and numbers. Like I hate that shit. So I'm going to either let Eric do it, or we're going to outsource to someone who can, um, Yeah. Yeah. That way you have more time for, to focus on the things that you do love to do, which makes it ultimately more fulfilling and like outsourcing is, makes it a lot easier to get things done that you don't want to do instead of procrastinating it. And also just, I don't know, it's hard to give up that responsibility though, but I think it's good since you um, started with Eric that you already had a founding person to kind of (laughs) like go back and forth with, but that is interesting. Like I can't even imagine what your relationship is like. Cause I know some people like listening, there's, um, some runners in like the running world that have like, they're dating their coach. And so I think it's just like, there's just like different kinds of relationships and I don't know how people balance it. So I admire you a lot for that, for that as well. I can imagine that things can get pretty heated sometimes. I don't know if you guys (laughs) disagree on something, it would carry over into your personal life. So. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. I mean, I think the thing is, is like you really, and I know this is like the least sexy advice ever, but I think what I've come to is if you want to start a business with your significant other, if you want to work with them in any capacity, like you really have to get honest with yourself and, you know, take a step back and objectively be like, are we compatible in a work setting? And I know it's like, it's not sexy. It's not exciting. But again, I looked <laughs> not on a paper, fun conversation. not a fun conversation. And it's okay if you're not like, not everyone is. And I have tons of friends that are in amazing relationships and they're just like, 
I could never, you know, and I'm like, you, yeah, you could never, because, you know, I think if you like Eric and I have always been very chill, very laid back, like, yes, we disagree, but we've never been that like fiery, passionate, you know, couple that's like always making out and always fighting, you know, the, you know, the couple, like everyone has that, that <laughs> everyone couple. knows one of those. And it's like, that's not right, better or worse, but like in a work setting, maybe that's not the best thing. Like Eric and I have always been sort of like steady and stable. And, um, and then objectively, like I said, we balance each other out in different ways, business in a business sense. But I think people always talk about how, you know, hard it is to work with your significant other, but there's also so many benefits. Like, you know, it's really like having a baby together, you know, like you have something to talk about, you have something that you're working on. And that has been really, really beneficial in our, you know, relationship in a lot of ways. Um, where before when we were both working in tech, it was sort of like, he would tell me about his day. I would tell him about my day, but like, we kind of didn't really have anything to talk about, you know, at work. Cause I didn't really give a fuck like what was going on at (laughs) his office, to be honest. Yeah. He would tell me about like the, the hot goss at, at his office. And I'm like, I just, you know, pretended to listen, <laughs> didn't care, didn't care but not care less. And so now it's just so fun to, you know, really like we're excited about it. But the hard thing is, like you said, it does spill over into our personal life. And I think getting to a place too, where you can like set boundaries and be like, okay, now we're a couple like now, you know, it's the weekend or it's, you know, 6 p.m. like turn off work because there's been so many times where I'm going to bed it's like 11 p.m. and he's like starts to talk to me in bed about like things and I'm just like eh, eh, no Same no no tomorrow. yep like what are you doing um but it's just been a yeah we've been learning and you know it's been kind of a process but yeah. at the beginning it was very rocky it's yeah. like whoa <laughs> yeah I mean it's just like, it's like an adjustment period you know yeah yeah. Um, okay. Well, I want to get on the topic because we, we have like three topics I want to cover and okay. I love the entrepreneurial side, but now I want to talk more about like the social media side, because I know that's how you got your start. I remember exactly when you came onto the scene because <laughs> you like came on just fully yourself with like a ton of personality. And I think people really admire that. I just remember you blowing up super quickly because I think you just like, I don't know, your personality really came out in your food post and your lifestyle post. And I think that's, it's hard to do on, honestly, on Instagram, but yeah. <laughs> I guess like what, what made you start your Instagram? I mean, you kind of said like the recovery process, but is that yeah. how it started for you? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I think, I mean, I really started it when I was still struggling with food. I like at the very beginning, I was just sort of realizing, you know, there's, there's an issue here. Like I was, you know, kind of so obsessed with food from a negative, like fear-based place. Um, and so that actually really worked out to my favor with an Instagram account because I was, you know, so consistent. Like I would post every single day. I would make these crazy recipes because, you know, I really didn't have, I didn't have much headspace to think about anything else. I really was just focused on that. And then it started to really become a great medium for me in my recovery. So started working with a therapist and really, you know, realized that, I loved the Instagram piece so much because it forced me to have fun with food again. It forced me to get back in the kitchen and make these crazy drippy, you know, over the top smoothie things that are just like so unrealistic in hindsight. (laughs) Um, I had so much fun making them, but yeah, my, my profile or my account has really kind of shifted obviously with my priorities. Um, but yeah, it just, you know, for so long, like I mentioned, I was terrified of food and only thinking about it, you know, as numbers and calories and stuff. So when I started to really approach it from almost like an art, like an art, 
artistic side and, you know, adding edible flowers and food coloring and like crazy shit. It really actually helped me repair my relationship with food in a, in a strange way. So then yeah, sort of went through that phase. But again, when I started, it was probably three or four years ago, I guess four now, um, never really anticipated, you know, I wasn't in it for like, I didn't think I could monetize. I didn't even know you could monetize Instagram at that point. Like you, like a lot of people now are starting, you know, TikTok or Instagram because they know the potential, which I think is super smart. And I don't think it's too saturated at all. Actually, I think like people who are starting now, you know, it's brilliant because at the time I was like, oh, maybe I'll get some free, you know, Siete chips or something. Like <laughs> yeah. I was just maybe down. Like, I remember the first time a company sent me free product and I was like, yeah. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> It's like, I made it food out of this is amazing. (laughs) Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, and then it kind of just evolved, you know, as I mentioned with, as I started to heal my relationship with food, I actually got to this really weird place where I was like, do I keep talking about food? Do I keep posting recipes? Because that's why people are here. You know, I had this fear of like, am I going to lose my community? Because if I start to shift to more like the entrepreneurial side, like people are going to drop off. And I think too, you know, I did that kind of slowly and naturally and just food. I still love it obviously, but it's, it doesn't hold the, the, um, I don't know, fixation that it used to with, with kind of the obsessive, you know, qualities. So when I started to really talk about what I was passionate about, you know, no one left, like people realized, cause it, it was just sort of a natural progression of just my evolution and my growth. And, you know, naturally, of course, some people are going to leave and some people are going to show up when you start talking about new things. Um, but it's been cool. It's like, I really enjoy having that account because, you know, I can look back and, you know, scroll back and be like, wow, I've really come a long way and kind of, you know, seen my growth that way. Um, but at the same time, it's also, you know, I have those moments as I'm sure everyone does where I'm like, God, I would just kill to just, you know, not document every second of my life. And, you know, like I think social media detoxes are so important every once in a while because it's just hard, you know, and you always, you get used to just always documenting every little thing. And sometimes that can detract from just living in the moment. Yeah, exactly. And you're so vulnerable online. Like I really admire that. I mean, I, I too am very vulnerable. Anyone that listens to this knows I probably overshare online, but I mean, you've talked about things like, like your body image and body positivity and also things about like income, like how much money people are making off of Instagram, which I've never seen anywhere else other than your own. Like what prompts you, I guess, to talk about these topics that are more, I don't know, not, not like controversial, but just more like there's a lot less people sharing about them, especially the income one. Like what I guess prompted you to talk about that? Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I think honestly, just my boredom with scrolling my own feed and seeing the same shit, you know, <laughs> of <laughs> people just sharing spice to this. Yeah. I'm kind of just like, like, I don't know. Am I really going to share another smoothie bowl recipe? And, you know, I, I kind of go through phases again where like, I'll share a really vulnerable, you know, me talking about eating out of the trash or, you know, like a lot of like deep, dark recovery things. Um, or like me, you know, right after I remember one time, this was not that long ago, actually, I was like pretty far into my recovery, thought I had healed a lot of my, you know, issues with food. And suddenly, you know, I came home one night, things were really stressful that day. And I remember I binged an entire jar of peanut butter. And I was just like, and I, I don't know what came over me, but I just like took a self, I was crying, like so upset because all these feelings came up of like, I thought it was over that, you know, so many like guilt, shame. And then I felt like I took so many steps back and I just had this weird 
urge, you know, inkling, maybe it's just conditioning from, you know, always documenting everything. Yeah, you're like, must I, document. I was like, must document. But it wasn't from a sense of like, this is going to get a lot of likes or like this is, you know, it was really just like, I want to share what's going on, like putting the Insta back in Instagram. Like I think so often I share things that have happened in the past that are easier to talk about. And it's like, oh, I used to struggle with food, you know, and it's so easy for me to talk about that because it feels like another lifetime ago. It doesn't even feel like myself. And so I was like, no, I really want to share what I'm struggling with right now. And so I took like a selfie, you know, like a, a terrible, sad, you know, picture. And I just like typed out, like just brain dumped my feelings. And I was like, this, blah, 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 like word vomit. And, you know, from that to, you know, sharing about the money stuff, I just think I go through these phases sometimes where I'm like, I just want to share what is really on my mind and what I'm really feeling. And then after I do that, I have a little bit of a vulnerability hangover and I'm like, oh my God, no, like I feel so exposed and naked and I'm like recoil. I need to start sharing about smoothie bowls again, you know, back to my safety, safety zone. So I think it, it, you know, it's, it's emotionally hard to share those things day in and day out. And I really don't know a lot of accounts that do. And if they do like good for them, but yeah, for me, it's sort of like, okay, I'm ready to kind of, yeah, like throw in a little spice. And then I'm like, okay, I am exhausted. I want to just like share safe, you know, things again. Um, but I am proud, you know, I'm glad that I share those things because it really gives other people the space to open up about their own shit. Because I mean, vulnerability is so contagious as we know, like if you see someone else sharing about something, you're like, wow, you know, I feel like I'm not alone. I feel like I'm, I, d- I didn't know other people were going through that. Um, so that's really my goal with that. You know, I think just, I wish I had someone who was talking about these things when I was really, really going through them because I felt so alone. Yeah. And I think you made a good point. Like people don't post about themselves, like struggling when it's actually happening. It's usually like after they've recovered from something or yeah, like it's in the past, like you, I don't know. It's not as emotional when you're recalling something rather than when you go through it in the moment. So I really admire someone like you who posts things like that. Like when they're directly going through it, just showing that, you know, you as an influencer, an entrepreneur, like your life isn't perfect. And I think a lot of people admire that about you, just your ability to be open on the spot and like talk about topics that people like everyone's going through these things, but not many people want to like display it on their social media because everyone loves to be perfect on Instagram, you know, for some reason, I don't know why, but <laughs> Um, yeah, I think a lot of people admire that about you, but what do you think is like the biggest, like toxicity on Instagram? Oh, that's a good one. Um, biggest toxicity. I mean, like you mentioned, I think like the, the toxic positivity, you know, is, is hard. Um, but I would say just the inherent nature of what Instagram is. And even though you have people who are trying to, you know, share, like you said, you know, the hard moments or the low points, it's still through like, like even this is, I've never said this before, but I just, you know, it's so true. Like even when I was sharing my, my selfie after I binged, I put a filter on it. You know what I mean? It was like, oh, of course, of course. Like I would, you know, I don't want to mess up. No, no, no. I don't want to mess up my aesthetic, you know, on my, on my feed. (laughs) But that just dawned on me. It's like, even when people are trying to be vulnerable, it's still somewhat um, you know, edited or polished or curated. Exactly. So it it just keeping that in mind. And then, but we forget that like when we're scrolling and, you know, for example, what I've been struggling with lately is my health. 
And I have, I have Hashimoto's and just, I mean, it's been for the past three years, just a fucking marathon speaking of running, you know, all your <laughs> listeners out there, like this is the only running that I've been doing is my health journey. And, um, it's been really challenging and I hesitate sometimes because I don't want to share about it on social as often as I probably should, because I have this little voice in the back of my head. That's like, don't be a downer, you know, like you should be, you know, people are going to unfollow you or like people are going to get sick. Like people don't care. Like all those voices that we have, all those little things. But then every time I do share, it's like a flood of people that are just like, oh my God, I'm going through the same thing. Or like, I'm all, I also have a chronic illness and I, I feel so alone. So this has really been helpful. Like, you know, you never regret when you do share those things, but going back to your question, I think we forget that. And so when we see other people's photos and, you know, their lives and, I really, um, sort of compare myself with business. So like, I'll see other founders and, you know, Oh, so-and-so got into Costco or like, Oh, they just, you know, whatever, they're just killing it. But I don't see the behind the scenes. I don't see, you know, what's actually happening. And, and I think it's just human nature that we, you know, just the way that Instagram is designed to kind of make us compare ourselves, but there's also so much good that comes of it too. So I don't know. Yeah. I feel like Instagram is literally designed for comparison. Yeah. It can be so toxic at times, but there are definitely like people that, I don't know, definitely have like good profiles and put out a good message. Do you have any favorite follows on Instagram or like TikTok or anything? Yeah. So TikTok, I feel like I, I love TikTok. I honestly, I, if I had 24 more hours in the day, like, oh, it's so time consuming. Oh my God. It's so addicting. Um, so I haven't really been, you know, I've been kind of off my TikTok game, but I would say Instagram. I love Jessie Jean is one. She's really good. Um, she talks a lot about like, she just talked about a lot about grief and just sort of like the whole process of that. Um, and she talks about binge eating and kind of body image stuff. Um, who else? I mean, there's so many good ones. Um, uh, the birds papaya. I love, you know, I love her stuff, body image. Um, but yeah, I mean, the thing too, is like, even with the body image ones, you know, I'll fill my feed with those people and, you know, it really is helpful. I think versus like when I was following just Victoria's secret, you know, fashion models, and I was like trying to use it as motivation. I'm like, Oh, if I follow this really thin, you know, underweight model, it'll motivate me to like go to the gym it backfires. It always does. Like it doesn't motivate you. It, it doesn't you work. Hate. It's so it external. Yeah. It doesn't work. But, um, but even when I really did like a deep clean and sort of started following people like that, that, you know, talked about these things or showed, um, Oh, another one is, I think it's Mick Zazone. I don't she's know how to actually, pronounce her last name. She's actually going to be on my podcast. Amazing. I'm, I'm just, recording with her tomorrow. <laughs> amazing. Yeah. Like she's so badass, And I love her because it's like, you know, sometimes I'll see people that, are just so like, again, like the toxic positivity where they're like, love your body, no matter what, no matter what it looks like. And I just can't relate to that because I'm like, I really like this idea of body neutrality where it's like, okay, you have a body takes you from point A to point B, like, you know, which is awesome. But also you don't have to put so much energy and emphasis into it. Um, and also it's okay if you don't love it every day, because even, you know, for me, like, I feel like I've been on this journey for five years of, you know, healing my relationship with food and my body. And I, I'm in a really great place, but there's still, I'm human. Like there's still so many days where I look in the mirror and I'm like, Oh, yikes. Like today is not my day. Yeah. (laughs) And then the next day, you know, literally 24 hours later, I'm like, Oh, I am feeling myself. So it's like, and nothing changed with how I actually look. Um, 
And so I really like, you know, how people like she puts stuff out where it's just like she talks about her little, you know, bikini line, like ingrown hairs. And I'm like, oh, my God, I have those like just stuff where I feel like I can see myself in them um, where sometimes I don't see that with like the people who are just like, I love myself every day, no matter what I look like. I'm like, I just I'm not there yet. I don't know. Maybe one day, but (laughs) I don't know if anyone's ever really there. I mean, maybe someone listening is and they're like, I am so. Yeah. But I mean, personally, I'm not. And I do love the idea of body neutrality because especially because I've gone through a lot of like rough periods in my body image is like the main thing I've struggled with over the past six years of my life, like running collegiately really put a damper on it. Um, but yeah. I love the idea of body neutrality because I just want to pay less attention to the way I look. It's not like I need to love myself every day. It's just, I don't want to be fixated on my appearance every second of every day of my life and exactly yeah and I think the body neutrality trend is becoming more of a thing um rather than just like the toxic positivity of you know body positivity I don't know if that's the right terminology but totally yeah yeah. and you can find I mean really like there's different things that work for different people too like you know some people need that like you know, overwhelming feeling of self-love to really get themselves out of a dark place. But for me, it was really, yeah, just more approachable to get to this place. Like you said, like when I'm not thinking about, it's almost like, I almost think what would our world be like if we didn't have mirrors and, you know, like front facing cameras (laughs) and even like cameras in general. Like I just, I remember when I was younger and just not ever you know, it's like when you're six or seven or eight, like you're not looking at yourself in the mirror and picking yourself apart and body checking. Like you're really just existing and you're playing and running and like your body is there to carry you and like do fun things, but it's not about, it's just like a vessel. It's not how you appear, you know, or you don't compare yourself. So yeah, honestly, one of the things that has helped me is like covering my mirror. Like I have a standing mirror in my room and I just cover it with a blanket you know, because I just like, I don't know. It just helps you not fixate on it as much. You know, I'm not perfect. I still definitely think about it probably more often than the average person. Um, but it sounds so silly to like have to cover my mirror, but it really helps. No, it really does. Yeah. And I mean, everyone, again, like you're all, everyone's on our own journey. Like for me, actually, I really took this kind of journey with the scale that is sort of, um, you know, not the most popular opinion for a lot of people. Cause I think sort of the traditional narrative in like eating disorder recovery is like, screw the scale, burn the scale, break it, you know, whatever. And I was like, I'm not, I don't want to give the scale that much power. I was like, I want the scale to be neutral again, scale neutrality, which is another sort of trend that's popping up. So I started doing the opposite. I started weighing myself every day. And I not, again, not from a place of fear. This was after I'd been, you know, working with a therapist and stuff. And this is just my experience for anyone listening, but it really helped because it start, I started to see, oh my gosh, my weight fluctuates every single day. It's not the end of the world. It doesn't mean anything about my self-worth. And then it got to the place where now, you know, I have a scale in my bathroom. I don't weigh my, like, I can't remember the last time I weighed myself, but also like, if I had to, it wouldn't ruin my whole day. You know, I don't give the scale power. It's really just like, what's your shoe size, you know, eight and a half. What's your height? Five, five, like what's your weight X. And it just doesn't, it's just, it's not like this big, scary number. So, you know, there's no emotional attachment to it anymore. Exactly. And they do the same thing when people have, you know, they're afraid of spiders. Like you do exposure therapy, you know, you don't run away from spiders forever. Exposure therapy. It is. Yeah. So that's been really helpful. But again, you know, everyone's on your own journey and like, I've had so many, when I talk about this online, I get a lot of people who are, you know, really triggered and they reach out to me and they're like, I could never do that. And I'm like, you know, 
sometimes those things that trigger you are the things that you, it's a great red flag. It's a great check engine light for like, okay, this is something that, you know, I could work on. And again, maybe it's not right now, but it could be down the line. Um, and it really is just our emotions around the scale is what gives it so much power. It's not the number itself. Yeah. It's just so true. I feel like you're preaching to the crowd, you know, me and I'm sure a lot of my followers, um, just from like what I've posted online have definitely gone through body image struggles as well, or eating disorders even. So I think just having you on, I don't know, just, I feel like we have a lot of similarities. So it's nice to be able to talk to someone who understands and is also very vulnerable on, vulnerable on the internet. Um, so I just like really appreciate, <laughs> really yeah. appreciate you coming on, but to close the episode, I just have a couple last questions okay. um, to ask you just like kind of like rapid fire. We got some listener questions. So cool. What do you think is like the best way to monetize a side hustle? Like how to go about it? Mm, oh, that's so good. Um, if someone was starting now, I would say TikTok for sure. Like I think going for the platforms that are, you know, just sort of coming on the scene. Granted, me thinking that TikTok is just coming on the scene shows how mainstream I am because like it's been around, you know, obviously for a while, but I feel like just like the beginning of quarantine is when people started to really, you know, download it. Um, but like, it's still super young compared to Instagram. Like, you know, I think finding those platforms that are sort of up and coming is just, it's easier to grow on there to start. And then secondly, I mean, think about, you know, don't really think about it from the money piece to start. I know that sounds counterintuitive, but really, you know, again, when I was starting my account, I think I did grow so quickly at the beginning because I was just authentically me. And I was sharing things that I didn't, you know, it wasn't like, Oh, if I share this, it's going to get a lot of likes. It was like, I'm doing these over the top, crazy drippy smoothies because they bring me joy and it's healing for me. And it, I felt like I was in my flow. Like when I was creating those time just passed so quickly because I was in the zone, you know? And then, you know, the, I guess I was going to say the people, the people, you know, sense that. And like, if people see, you know, what you're creating is truly in alignment with who you are and what your passions are, like, that's just going to bring, you know, ring through and people are going to see that. So it's very apparent if you're trying to do something just for likes or just to grow. And I think that's also just not sustainable, you know, for your own account. Yeah. Or like copying what other people are doing because, you know, they have a lot of followers. Like, you know, I think with that creative process, like everyone's guilty of sort of like getting inspiration from different people, but, you know, blatantly copying or, you know, doing the same thing someone else is doing. It's again, like, it's just not going to be sustainable because it's not what you're passionate about. It's not who you are. So that would be the first thing. And then secondly, I would just educate yourself on sort of more like logistically on the money side, you know, really advocate for yourself. Like obviously in the beginning, as you start to grow, Um, you know, you're not going to have a lot of pull or leverage with brands, but when you start to get to a place where you can start charging, you know, money, like don't let them walk all over you because a lot of brands will, and they will try and squeeze every little ounce of work out of you for as least amount of money as possible. And I've learned this the hard way because I'll talk to some of my friends who have, you know, hundreds of thousands of followers. They have a management, they have an agency. And I really am just like, yo, like, let's talk numbers. Like how much should I be charging for this? And I've learned, oh my God, I was severely undercharging. And that's why I'm so passionate about talking about money and being open about it because I want people to know their worth. Um, Because I think with social media, especially, you know, people underestimate the amount of work it takes to creating content and all of that. And a lot of brands are getting a free pass um, and they're getting a lot of free marketing out of you. So 
was not a rapid fire answer, but (laughs) that's what I would say to start. No, very thorough. Love it. Um, what are three healthy habits that you do daily that you swear by? Oh, okay. Um, number one, I really love getting outside within the first like hour of waking up. It doesn't have to be anything crazy. Like I'm, I mean, we're all so busy, but honestly, just like I take my dog for a quick, like 10 minute walk, even some days. Um, and I just feel like that sort of lets my body know like, yo, it's daytime, <laughs> wake up, wake yeah. up. Um, so that's like really great. And I, I remember just, seeing you know, your, I'm, um, walks on the beach in, in California. I know. I know. Beach. I was like, Oh, beautiful. I know. I know. I miss my beach walks. That's I think the number one thing that most people were nervous, you know, for me to move to the East coast. Um, but yeah, now I kind of, I found a little park, you know, in Philly, it's called Wissahickon. It's like a really beautiful green park. So I go there. Second thing, um, I'm not great at this all the time, but I don't look at my phone again for the first hour of the day. So we have like Respect, a spec, man. I cannot do that. I mean, for years, like I, every single day I would wake up and just scroll. And then I was like, you know, I think it was honestly my health my health scare, you know, and journey. Like I was like, I'm going to try this. Cause my doctor was like, you are stressed, so stressed out. And like your cortisol is insane. So she was like, just try it. So I charged my phone like across the room and, you know, or you can get an old school alarm clock. So you don't even look at your phone. Um, and then I just put it on airplane mode. I like, and then I get to the point where it's like, I don't want to check open my phone or check it. Cause I'm like, it's going to be this explosion of, you know, people yeah, wanting it's cortisol spike immediately. <laughs> exactly. So I like almost get to this point where it's like an hour has passed and I'm like, oh, I'll just do two, I'll yeah, do two no, hours. Yeah. I'm like, no, I'm good. And Eric's like, you, you know, it's, you should probably check your phone. Um, so that's another thing. And then lastly, you know, everyone talks about meditation and it's like, I was, I've been like, I have a very rocky relationship with meditation because I go, every time I do it, I feel better, but it's kind of like exercise or running, you know, whatever, where you're like, sometimes it's definitely not like, like, it doesn't just like really incorporate into a routine. I feel like until until you make it. Yes. So that's one thing that like, I will say when I do it, I feel amazing, but I'm not going to pretend like I do it every single day. Um, I did do it this morning and I'm feeling good. And for those, I just like search guided meditations on YouTube. Um, cause I think like, yeah, there's headspace and stuff, but you really don't need to pay for anything in my opinion. Um, so yeah, I would say those are like my top three. Yeah. Solid answers. Um, okay. The last question I have is, do you have any advice that you give to your younger self? Oh, I mean, yes. So, um, number one, stop blacking out. (laughs) Um, I would say like in college, (laughs) I was just an animal. Like I just, I mean, I drink, I think a lot of people in college, but I just drink unnecessarily because I didn't feel confident in myself. I had social anxiety. I, you know, felt uncomfortable around like guys and dating. And so I just always turned to alcohol. And I think, I mean, that's a huge region reason why I have a ton of health issues now too, is like, I just treated my body like crap for so many years, you know, in addition to like the binging and restricting and all of that. Um, and then number two, you know, going off of that, like the, those last five pounds that you're trying to lose, you know, that is where all of your amazing memories with your friends are. That's where, you know, girls nights, that's, you know, pizza with your boyfriend, like all of those incredible memories that I was trying to cut out of my life. Like for what, you know, no one even realizes when you lose five pounds, to be honest with you, <laughs> like you look the same. Um, so it's like, those are just the vanity pounds. And so, yeah, I will say like, that's probably my biggest thing. Cause just again, for years, like 
that's where my head was. And I couldn't, if I was still in that mindset, I couldn't have built the business that I've built today. I couldn't, you know, do, I couldn't, I wouldn't have hobbies that I, you know, that I have today, things that I really love that aren't even related to food and fitness. Cause that's what was occupying my headspace for so long. So those would be my big two. Um, I would say the last one that just came to me is I, was it, I was pre-med in college. I was like a science, you know, obviously nutrition major, but took like, OCHEM, physics, all these things. I failed OCHEM almost twice. I was just, I mean, I had three tutors for physics, like, and got like a C, you know, barely scraped by passing that one. And just inside of me, there was this little voice that was like, this is not your path. You're not going to be a doctor. This is not what you're supposed to do in this world. But yet my ego was like, no, I'm going to be a doctor. Like I'm going to be a badass, you know, girl boss doctor. Like I just was set on this path and I was swimming upstream and it was taking such a toll on my mental health. Um, and so then finally, you know, I think I realized like, wait, I hate sick people. I hate hospitals. I'm not going to be a doctor. Like, okay. (laughs) But never like always listen, especially as women, I feel like we have such a great, you know, that gut feeling, that little voice inside of you. It's like your guiding light, your intuition. And I'm, you know, traditionally like not really a woo woo bitch, but like that is what will guide you. And that is, you know, you should at least hear it out instead of like suppressing, suppressing and just doing what you think you should be doing. If that yeah. makes sense. Awesome advice. I really appreciate you coming on. I think this was really helpful for a lot of people just getting insight into what being an entrepreneur, social media influencer, um, is like, I mean, from a different perspective, other than, <laughs> other than me. So I personally, I really appreciate you coming on. Cause I learned a lot about you. Um, where can people follow you at? I know you have a podcast too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So yeah, Instagram is just my name, Allie Bonner. Um, and then our business is just queen and co and podcast is the Allie cast and yeah, our website's queen.co. Yeah. The granola butter is fire guys. I literally got I think it was five or six jars. I don't remember. And I ate it in less than a month, hundred percent, probably two weeks. It was like really bad, Yay. but it's so oh my gosh. good. I highly what's recommend. What's your favorite, what's your favorite flavor? Uh, I think just like the vanilla. I, I yeah. like the date one too. I still have yet to try the cookie dough. I'm going to need to get my hands on some, but yeah. Um, honestly, all the flavors, the original is also has a special place in my heart. So I really yeah. just love any of it. I can honestly just like, there was one point I was just scooping tortilla into it. <laughs> <laughs> I love so that good. so much. Oh yeah. my God. The vanilla is my favorite too. So yeah, it's, it sounds basic, but it has this like sugar cookie vibe. Yeah. It's so good guys. Thank you so much again for coming on um, to close out the episode. Can we get a good old peace out fellas? Peace out fellas. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode of Convos over cold brew. I hope you enjoyed it. I really enjoyed getting to know Allie a little bit better and just having, you know, a very transparent, open conversation with her. It's always nice to hear from someone else in the same space as me. So I hope you guys enjoyed the conversation as well. Don't forget to rate and review on Apple Podcasts if you listen every week. And also follow us on Instagram at Convos over cold brew pod. And thank you guys again for listening. I will hear from you in the next one. Peace out, fellas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.